0: hitting medical truth cutting through conflict and confusion to the understanding you're searching for join dr peter mccullough world-renowned medical expert and practicing physician for this edition of the mccullough report your life may depend on it Let's get real, let's get loud on America Loud Talk Radio. This is a McCullough Report and I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. It's a great pleasure to welcome Michael Levison to the show. Uh, Michael received his bachelor's degree from uh, Bowling Green University in Ohio and then went on to Pittsburgh and trained in clinical dietetics. He moved up the ranks in healthcare administration and now he's a consultant and uh, really an expert in group purchasing organizations, GPOs, and I called them to the show to help explain to us what a group purchasing organization is, how does the supply chain, all the things that hospitals and affiliated clinics use, how does that work and how does that impact us as the consumers, that is doctors, nurses, patients. Michael, welcome to the McCullough Report.
1: Thank you, Doctor.
0: Well, why don't you take it from here, tell us uh, about uh what you do and uh, particularly how this uh works in terms of a group purchasing organization if if a hospital needs um some iv bags or tubing you know how do they actually manage all the supplies that they get
1: well doctor what um i spent a good portion of my career um in the medical device uh, market 15 years. Uh, to be clear, at St. Jude Medical, uh, selling cardiac pacemakers and defibrillators, and um, I can tell you what when it when regarding the these high uh, cost physician preference implants, the group purchasing organizations are basically the gatekeeper in the hospitals. Um, they. They allow companies on their contracts. Um, they, they do that in return. We would pay these uh, group purchasing organizations and for position preference implants, we paid uh, some, somewhere around 3% of every dollar that the hospital bought of our medical device, cardiac pacemakers. Um, stents, any of those uh, hips, knees, that's the general um, uh, charge that these group purchasing or, organizations have. And what they tend to do and they like to do is they, they like to do what they call sole source, source contracts in these in the hospitals. And these sole source contracts are basically it's a pay-to-play system. If you're a, a big medical device company and you have a lot of money, what we understand is a lot of the backdoor deals would happen, where the the large uh, medical device companies would uh, make pay a little bit more to buy market share, and what that does is it it leads to physicians having to utilize sometimes utilize products that they don't are like to use or are not uh, trained on and not used to. Um, and generally um, these, uh, these sole source contracts and what I saw at St. Jude Medical was uh, w- it was funny, is that the, the larger our competitors um, would actually get these sole source contracts and, and, and would actually have higher prices than what we sold our our the same pacemaker or same defibrillator for, um, and to me that that uh, I would shake my head when I would find out that the that the the com- competition won the contract even though their prices were higher. So that's when I started doing some researching, and what what uh, happens is one. The physicians who are implanting these devices are, are being told that they have to implant the, uh, the on-contract device because there, there's a contract that states that they get 90, 95% of the contract, and if they don't hit that contract, the, the, the rebates don't come back to the to the hospital. But on top of these rebates... The deals that the GPOs and the uh, vendors make, there's actual things called shareback. And shareback are when the vendor pays the three percent administrative fee, sometimes these uh, group purchasing organizations will kick back fifty percent of those fees. they They deliver them to the C-suite these checks for what they call their shareback checks rebates, shareback. It's all a very opaque type system uh, that these hospitals use. And and, and some of my uh, doctor customer friends would always say, why are these uh, supply chain guys calling me, Michael? You know, they're telling me that I can't use your device. And they're t- and, and and in some cases, they would say, you know, it's who's practicing medicine here? And I'm Um, happen to uh, agree it should be a physician that practices the medicine um, and not somebody telling them how to practice uh, medicine. And in fact, I was involved when I first started in the cardiac pacemaker business. Back in 1999, the local hospital decided to do a sole source agreement with the cardiac pace our competitive cardiac pacemaker company and told us we couldn't do business there. Well, back then the doctors at this hospital were all up in arms and kept calling us. And we kept servicing the hospital, but the hospital said that since you guys aren't on contract, we're not going to pay you. We we accumulated up to over a million dollars in purchase orders and and St. Jude wound up suing this hospital system saying that um, you know you you owe us money. We're we're servicing your company, but the funny thing, doctor, that happened that we found out is that even though they didn't pay for these devices, they still billed the uh, insurance companies and in um, as if they paid the, for the devices when they didn't. So we got them. They, they wound up paying us all but the backorder POs and had the, and, and let us in the door. Um, so that's, that's where I learned about it. I saw it, I saw it every day where physicians, uh, my physician customers that were, um, that I was a cardiac pacemaker, uh, sales rep, I was an uh, international heart rhythm uh, board examiner, um, NASPI test uh, more. So I took the tests. Uh, it was similar to a board exam that electrophysiology took. And I I was the right hand man. These guys uh, and gals would confide in me and say that they didn't like how the hospitals would contract. They 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 felt that they were being uh, strong arm into implanting devices into their patients that they really felt w- wasn't the best device. And, but if they, if they squawked or, or balked, uh, I've seen them uh, get fired. So that's where I really started uh, doing some more and more research. And a lot of this stuff um there's the uh, the group purchasing organizations have large tentacles throughout the the healthcare system, and what they do is they will they'll, they'll put the hospital CEOs on their board, and uh, and they're actually uh, in the the public company which you can find um, one of the group purchasing organizations pays somewhere in the 200 to 250 thousand dollars on top. For these hospital CEOs to be on their board, and then these hospitals actually use the same group purchasing organization that the that the CEO sit, which to me is um, I I don't feel that's a, a a fair system, especially when they came up with a Sunshine Act for physicians, where every physician if they go out to lunch or or dinner that they have to disclose every dollar that they, they got spent on them for lunch or dinner, but the hospital GPOs and the hospital executives don't have to do any of that disclosure. It makes for a very op- opaque system. And it's all due to a um, uh, safe Harbor that they, they got back in 1987 from uh, uh from congress so they're legally taking um kick kickbacks where physicians are are monitored for it i hope that's uh, does that help you understand the the what it can do to the end user uh and and the the big thing that i'm consulting is with uh in the supply chain is not only does it not let the physician use the the products that they like it actually costs more for these devices to run through a group purchasing organization if, if you're getting paid three percent do you they're they're not that incentivized to lower the cost they say they do they'll they'll play with the, that in an opaque way and and say that they've saved numbers or, or money in one one end but in, in but then it's Rob Peter to pay Paul. They, they always wanna keep the at, at a certain level. And so they can make, they're making money. They don't really have uh, very much to, to put into the system other than they're monitoring these contracts. They have full-time people working side by side in the supply chain at the hospital so if you're a gpo you're allowed to to have a full-time person working in supply chain right next to the 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 hospital supply chain and you can look on the internet they they advertise these jobs as analysts but they're in the job description it's all about making sure that the contracts are compliant for the gpo so they continue to make their uh, administrative fees Um, and and actually are costing our healthcare system billions of dollars.
0: Well, let me ask you some questions now. So, GPO, Group Purchasing Organization, uh, let's just throw out a name so we can um, talk about one company, McKesson. McKesson, I believe, is one of the biggest group purchasing organizations in the United States. Is it true that McKesson, in a sense, could could offer an entire supply chain to a hospital? They could offer all the antibiotics, all the IV solutions, all the different um, needs that a hospital would have. Is, is that true?
1: Um, the group, yes. Group purchasing organizations can do that. McKesson's more of a, a distributor, but th- they actually work hand in hand with the group purchasing organizations. There, there's three large. Uh, group purchasing organizations in the country and over the last five years the the number of gpos or group purchasing organizations have shrank Um, it it used to be a lot more now the competition is a lot less in that area Visient is the largest group purchasing organization in the country based out in texas the next largest is premier Um, which is based down in North Carolina. Premier is a is a uh, public company, and then Health Trust is the next uh, largest group purchasing organization, which is actually owned by uh, uh, HCA.
0: Okay, so um, so these GPOs, uh, since you're in the cardiac device area. Uh, Would it work that the GPO would physically buy pacemakers and have an inventory of pacemakers and then they would supply them to the hospital when the hospital needs them? Is that how it works?
1: The GPO is the middleman. The hospital buys them through the GPO contracts. Ninety-eight percent of hospitals in the country use group purchasing organizations to buy uh, supplies for themselves. So basically, they're just a middleman. And how they make their money is they charge administrative fees um, to the vendors to be on contract.
0: Do the GPO contracts prohibit direct contracts to the manufacturer?
1: They say blatantly on their website and, and on their um, self uh, um uh, I don't know, self-guided self, uh, they have a their own organization that they monitor the, themselves with and that organization says no, they do not but when you have CEOs on your board of the, uh, from the hospitals and you have full-time people uh, from the group purchasing organization um, in working side-by-side in the supply chain do you think they're going to do anything outside the gpo
0: okay so they effectively have that level of control you know i'm i'm a cardiologist i'm a non-invasive cardiologist but certainly over the course of my career and training i did angioplasty and and stenting and put in pacemakers and devices and and understand that and i think it's important for the listeners to understand that the Doctors in the hospitals do rely on the expertise of the industry experts. So for instance, if we're putting in a pacemaker ICD, it's very common for the representative of the pacemaker company to be there at the time of the implantation and testing to make sure the device is working okay, make sure the patient gets their their card of the device they've received and they know how to do the follow-up and the industry Representatives, let's say for pacemakers and ICDs, they actually offer a service where they will help with monitoring if there's a problem, trouble making, trouble uh, shooting, etc. So we work hand in hand with the representatives. But if the products come through a group purchasing organization, is that relationship disturbed? Do you think?
1: Um, very much. Um, I I can tell you, I um, I can remember uh, times when I get the call from the, uh, from the, the corporate, uh, VP of the company saying, Hey, we got wind that, uh, because of the, uh, the, the new GPO contract, you're out of this hospital, um, and the hospital is going to, um, to eliminate the, the vendor. Um, and, and in a lot of the cases, um, in my area, I had, uh, I would go from, uh, almost 50% of the market um, to nothing overnight just by the strike of a pen of a GPO contract. Um, so it, it still happens um, uh, daily. A lot of the GPOs feel that they uh, like to do what they call sole sourcing or dual sourcing contract. They like to eliminate vendors, which in in the real world, um, market competition actually <laughs> does what it lowers price well when you make a monopolistic uh, system and um, it, what to do it, it increases price and then also uh the one thing doctor you know for your um, thought and and what you would I think would understand is, is if you go to from in the pacemaker world, from four vendors to one vendor, and that one vendor happens to have a, a large recall, and, and that one vendor is uh, one of the most uh, prolific recall um, in recalls in the in the market. I think doesn't that uh, open patients up to um, more uh, issues from the recall? More, uh, more uh, risk for uh,
0: having adverse events from from recalled device. Well, sure. I mean, you know, as a cardiologist, we want the best in class products for stenting, pacemakers, ICD. I think about my orthopedic surgery colleagues; they want the highest quality, um, let's say, total hip prostheses. Etc. neurologists, you know, putting in spinal cord stimulators Correct. and other, other products. So there's this hand and glove relationship. It's also important that people understand that doctors can't know every single thing about every single device. So we tend to, you know, have our working relationships of devices that we understand. Well, many times as a doctor, we actually have to go to training courses on how to use, use the devices. So people worry about doctor conflict of interest. And uh, I think you and I would agree that doctors actually do have to have a good relationship with the company because we have to understand how to utilize their products. Uh, same thing with um, our in vitro diagnostics. I mean, I have to know the companies and the products. So I have to be able to interpret the test results for the patients. So we do tend to have contracts, uh, but the independent doctors and hospitals that can independently make their choices, you know, trade off the risks and benefits of different products and then, and then use them. Uh, and in my view, the, the companies with the best patient service most of the time win because they're reliable. And uh, there will be times where we have to call the representative and, and uh, have a device interrogated. The orthopedic surgeons sometimes have to deal with uh, hip prosthesis problems and make uh, various switches so there's a relationship there. But I'm disturbed to think that the group purchasing organizations came between the companies and the doctors and the patients. And on top of that, they've, uh, I think, widely corrupted uh, th- this issue of, of being free of conflict of interest, that you know, I have a, have a CEO of a, uh, of a hospital on board, pay him a quarter million dollars, and then now the hospital has to use only what the GPO offers
1: correct even though they'll say that they don't they do and and I haven't come across one um, it it that is willing to listen to do what we call carve outs um, carve out contracts now what I can I can tell you that uh, Duke University there was a gal um, at Duke University that uh Will staunchly tell you that while she was at Duke, all of her contracts, especially in the physician preference implants, she negotiated self contracts with outside the GPOs, and she 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 beat every price of and every time of a gpo contract she said she never never lost um and uh, she spent 15 years at at duke Uh, a lot of pressure i think going on um to for duke to go with the uh the the usual system of using a gpo she she's uh she retired from there i think uh but she will she'll tell you that she could get on her own without a GPO uh, significant millions and millions of dollars in savings um, by doing it on her own so what uh, what I see is these hospitals uh, rely on these GPOs they do all the work for them um, they'll send them off to all kinds of uh, uh, shows and wine and dine um and from what i understand from a previous uh uh executive at the at the gpo they they had unlimited budgets to wine and dine the supply chain uh team they, they sent them to to meetings um, and then they give them a plaque and tell them how how great their supply chain was well of course because they're helping the gpo making lots of money Right.
0: So let's change topics just a little bit now. And um, if you can range with me, let's talk about um, drugs. And, um, you know, one of the things that's come up in recent years, which we've never seen before, is generic, frequently utilized drugs, even various IV solutions at various times. There's a shortage. Right. Suddenly a hospital is... Uh, there's a nationwide shortage on dilantin an anti seizure drug or nationwide shortage on valium a a um, uh, you know a sedative hypnotic uh, nationwide shortage on lidocaine a drug we use as an antiarrhythmic what is what in the world is going on if the gpo's you know, are these giant companies, and they're supplying? I think there's 5,600 hospitals in the United States, and they're supplying the vast majority of the hospitals. How can these shortages occur?
1: Well, if you if you look at it, that the if if you do like they like to do sole sourcing contracts, they 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 say they would like to do this because they think they're saying they're going to save money for the system by uh, by sole source and contracts but when you when you eliminate competition and uh, especially in the generic market with the margin is is not like um the uh, other drugs the generic market is horrible uh margins so these guys uh in order to compete on the in the generic market um what you get is uh you get uh the the generic drugs that are actually manufactured overseas, um, because when you manufacture it overseas and um, it costs a lot less uh, to manufacture, but unfortunately there's been uh, findings. And, and in fact, my late brother, who was a, uh, a PhD researcher um, in cardiology and, and gut uh, cardiology, he uh, once, um, just before he passed away, he showed me. You know what? With some of these generic drugs that he was taking, rantidine, they found caused cancer because what they did is the, they they uh, skipped the process over there in China, did a did a uh, a shortcut, and N NDMa comes out of the formula, a cancer uh, um, causing drug. Or cancer-causing part of the the drug, so the the overseas manufacturers can afford to pay these GPOs a little bit more an administrative fee for a bought market share. Uh, it's called a pay-to-play. Um, but what it's what has it done? Uh, um, as my my late brother and I, I saved some of those emails. I mean, he uh, that he sent me. That's where it got my my blood boiling. They they manufacture these drugs overseas. They're uh, they're they're cutting corners. They're um, and what do we we find out um, years later after the damage is done? Um, And so you 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 eliminate the market. You and you buy. Um, uh, not so good generic drugs, not manufactured in in the states where it could be monitored by our FDA. It's very difficult to monitor overseas. Um, so w- our U.S. market is is struggling. So they can't afford to pay um, these GPOs, these high administrative fees that the uh, uh, that they want. And in fact, um, another thing that my brother let me know of what, there was a, a a generic manufacturer called Benvenue in Cleveland, Ohio. and uh, research has shown and we've gotten document data on that Benvenue was actually forced uh, to pay 50% administrative fees, to these GPOs, uh, so think about that, Doctor. Fifty percent of your your costs—they th- went out of business, and and nobody's talking. Uh, when we tried to uh, contact them, and we act- I actually contact and talk to a contracts person there, and because she's got her lips sealed, um, you, you, a a U.S. manufacturer was um, basically put out of business because they're, um, these these guys are are just gouging them um, with administrative fees to to be on contract, and it doesn't allow for innovation. Um, it doesn't allow for uh, a free market like it, we should have. Um, and the other thing it does is it it, it causes when, when you do sole sourcing contracts with that, uh, the, the the little guys who are entrepreneurial or trying to start a business, they can't get in the market because they can't afford to pay the, the administrative fees that the GPOs are getting from the uh, overseas manufacturers who can afford to pay them off for their market share. Right. So, you, so-
0: so Michael, let's um we're gonna take a break right here. We're gonna pick up on the other side of the McCullough report. We've been talking to Mr. Michael Levison, an expert in group purchasing organizations and hospital interactions on their supply chain, the medical staff, what happens to patients. You're listening to the McCullough Report. Let's get real, let's get loud on America Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough Report. One of the biggest advances in nutraceuticals and supplements is Healthy Cell. And the Healthy Cell line is extensive. I typically focus on the Microgel technology, three major products here, Immune Super Boost, the Focus and Recall, and then the REM Sleep Supplement. Each one of these is complementary, and they can uh, have a role, I think, in the health of your life each and every day. I know they do in my case. Many of you know, after COVID-19 twice, I spent almost the entire year in 2022 with the upper respiratory tract illness. Now, thankfully, I'm through the first two months of 2023 and I've been diligent with the Immune Super Boost in the morning, followed by Focus and Energy, and then in the evening time, the REM sleep supplement. The Microgel technology works, and boy, does it work fast. So go to our website, America Out Loud Talk Radio, find the banner bar for Healthy Cell, click on it, and that'll take you to the site to get a discount on your purchase of all Healthy Cell products. So let's get real, let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. liberty, and justice for all.
1: World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness.
2: Chief Scientific Officer of The Wellness Company and your host of The McCullough Report. I want to spend a minute with you about The Wellness Company. We're coming up on a year of operation now. It was founded by e-commerce juggernaut, founder and chairman, Foster Colson, who hails out of British Columbia I service a Chief Scientific Officer, Dr. Heather Gessling as the Chief Operating Officer, Harvey Risch, Chief Epidemiologist, and Richard Ammerling as the Chief Academic Officer. Dr. Jen Vandewater is our Integrative Therapeutics Board member, along with Dr. Robert Seek, both our PharmDs. And then the C-Suite is uh, Peter Galulli, our Chief Executive Officer, <clears throat> Brandon Cooper, uh, Chief of Staff, uh, Heather Gessling, our Chief Operating Board representing the Medical Board, Chris Al- Alexander, uh, Chief Marketing Officer, Ryan Bono, Chief Technology Officer, and Lauren Bradford, Vice President of Legal and Compliance. Uh, we have a wonderful leadership team that supports us very well. And I'm happy to announce that the Wellness Company has just started a Canadian Medical and Scientific Board. And listen to this, Dr. Julie Paness, Chief of Biomedical Ethics, Dr. Roger Hodkinson, Chief Pathologist, Dr. Mark Trausi, Chief of Emergency and General Medicine, Dr. William Macris, Chief of Nuclear Medicine and Oncology, Dr. Paul Alexander, the Chief Scientific Advisor, Wow, this is a superstar team, the wellness company offering health and wellness products, educational materials, nutraceuticals, and supplements, including, including the best in class spike support uh, formula that was designed by Dr. Jen Anderwater, uh with the um, amazing natto kinase relied upon by so many now in combating recurrent COVID-19 infections and long COVID and vaccine injury syndromes. Uh, and uh, as well as the telemedicine physicians and our new dental division, which involves community dentistry and uh, a real team of doctors on the ground looking after patients. Uh, I can tell you that it, things have gone so well in the first year, a nationwide alternative health system, now United States and Canada, the nutraceutical products available worldwide. Um, that's important for all my followers in uh, overseas in Europe South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, South America. The Wellness Company products are the best in class, all US sourced, high quality, no plant fillers. Uh, I can tell you that the Wellness Company is making a huge difference nationwide and worldwide now bringing you unbiased, honest medical care that's affordable and then very importantly leading the field forward, managing the deluge of patients with long COVID and now vaccine injury syndrome. So go to the wellness company, twc.health, and check out all the uh, various products and services available. For discounts though, go through the America Out Loud website and then click on the banner bar. That'll give you discounts to monthly enrollment as a member, nutraceuticals and supplements, and then the One Health option, which is key, that gives you unlimited health and wellness services for a low monthly fee. So go to the Wellness Company and check it out. It is an alternative for those of you who have basically now lost trust in your healthcare systems, in your uh, region, in your nation, and worldwide. I'm Dr. Peter McCullough, Chief Scientific Officer of the Wellness Company and your host uh, of the McCullough Report. Let's get real. Let's get loud. On America out Loud Talk Radio, this is the McCullough Report.
1: Now, get yourself a bottle of American-made Cofix rx nasal solution. Let's get out and live again. CoFixRx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com. Use coupon code OUTLOUD and get 20%
0: off. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is a McCullough Report, and I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. We're having a great conversation with Mr. Michael Levison, who's an expert group purchasing organizations. He's a consultant. He's started businesses, and he deeply understands uh, the issue of supplies to hospitals. And what I've learned just before we took our break is that there's such power and control by these GPOs. There's three major ones in the United States that they can actually shake suppliers out of business by, by their administrative fees and so let's say there's you know five companies down in puerto rico making lidocaine they in a sense can shake them out of business get to one source of lidocaine and then uh in a sense run out of the product nationwide and one of my concerns is that so many of these shortages when we run out of something our next choice of drug is something far more expensive so a good example is the anti-convulsive drugs. And we ran out of Dilantin or phenobarbital. We would really have to jump up to far more expensive products. And the GPO supplies that product too. And because they always make a percentage, they're actually making more money when we actually have to choose a more expensive product than the less expensive product. we were in a sense, they've created this this false shortage. There shouldn't be any shortage because there should be plenty of suppliers, but it's in sense they've driven the suppliers out of business. I mean, do I have this right? Correct. You,
1: you hit the nail on the head. I think the same thing, um, I don't know if you remember, I remember uh, we used the, or the electrophysiologist used propofol in um, the a shortage uh, happened, uh, I think early, early 2010, 2011. Um, they couldn't find get propofol, um, and they used it to uh, in, when we would do inductions to put uh, uh, to test these uh, defibrillators. We would actually put people into ventricular fibrillation, and it was a great drug because it would put them out quick, um, and and then they'd wake up no problem. But they ran they, there was a shortage of propofol. Well, then they they had to use versed, fentanyl. Mm. Um, and I can tell you, I, I I hated going to the labs in those days because there was uh, too many patients that uh, with versed they'd stop breathing on the table. Um, they couldn't they couldn't get them out. Um, and you know what? It it was back then, and I wasn't uh, the expert back then, but I suspect it was the same issue.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I agree. Uh, what's called conscious sedation was had been dramatically improved with the widespread use of propofol. It made procedures night and day. I remember my wife had to go through colonoscopies before propofol. It was absolutely miserable getting versed and other medications, uh, the pacemaker insertions, ICDs. Some of the other things we did, uh, it was so much more difficult before propofol. Now the, anesthesi- the anesthesiologists use it. We rely on them. Remember, that's what Michael Jackson got hooked on, was propofol. He felt like he couldn't sleep without it. It's its really just a wonderful medicine. Now most people have a colonoscopy. They get propofol. The last thing they remember is kind of looking at the, the screen of the, typically the cardiac monitor. They wake up and they say, well, we're all done. And you're like, wow, that was so good. And and it's interesting with propofol. People don't go on the mechanical ventilator. It's uh it's conscious sedation. So it's absolutely wonderful. So, so to have an artificial shortage of pro- propofol or an anticonvulsant or an antibiotic, and then either have to use drugs that are not ideal or more expensive drugs, is is uh, it shouldn't happen. And right. when I've seen papers in the New England Journal of Medicine about drug shortages. Uh, the, none of them have ever pointed out that they're driven by the GPOs. They always point out the fact that, oh, we need to support more generic manufacturers, and it's 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 uh, you know this woe is me. They they say that there's a problem with generic manufacturing. There isn't any problem with generic manufacturing. The, the GPOs need to do fair pricing and not use these tactics. So they're juicing up their own administrative fees and then putting a particular drug supply at risk to hospitals.
1: Correct. Uh, it's, yeah, it, and what the, you, there's still a baby formula shortage out there, doctor. And um,
2: Oh yeah, and tell it, us about
1: that. Is, is that also related to GPOs? It's very much related to GPOs. So you think, of, think about it when you, you have a baby in the hospital, um, that you, you go home, from that hospital, they they give you uh, some samples of formula, and that those hospitals have G, group purchasing organization contracts. A lot of them are very much like I uh, call in the physician preference uh, implants. They're they're uh, oftentimes sole source or pay to play contracts. So if you have a sole source contract with a large vendor, um, it the that those people go home, and what do they buy? They buy what the hospitals start them, started them out on in the retail side. But what happens when that um, when that vendor has a an issue with their their manufacturing plant and uh, they have to go
0: down <laughs> a shortage? Well, do do GPOs also provide supply chains to grocery stores? Um, no. But, you know, because it was interesting with the baby uh, formula shortage story, which, you know, kind of got started, it was in the news, and then we didn't hear about it anymore. The press is terrible, I think, actually, on following up. The one thing I remember is that, you know, you go into a standard grocery store, and they didn't have enough baby formula, but they show, you know, tons and tons of it down in Mexico and other places. And it made me think that, wait a minute, is this artificially created by a GPO or a distributor? or or, you know what was the problem where there was a baby formula shortage to the united states but not mexico i mean how can you explain that
1: um yeah the the oh the each the the united states is the only company that uses the middleman group purchasing organizations
0: oh so that may explain a lot that the the Um, gpos uh in a sense are an american Thing. Now, are there hospitals – you mentioned H- HCA is a hospital chain that has its own GPO, I guess, that other people can use. Are there other major hospital chains that have their own GPO in a sense they com- control their own supplies?
1: Well, the, the Mayo Clinic is in partnership with, uh, with the largest GPO, to which they actually sell and market um, a GPO. Uh, so the Mayo Clinic has a partnership with Vizient. Uh, and, and they sell their their GPO. I can't remember the name of it. Um, sorry about that, but they sell that GPO to other hospital systems. So, uh, then, the Cleveland, how, the same yeah, thing ahead. with
0: the Cleveland Clinic. Okay, they, and then how about the big ones, uh, Trinity and Ascension? Do they have their own GPOs or do they?
1: No, they they uh, they contract um with. With a GPO, some um, something like like a Mercy Health System um, or up in Michigan McLaren Health System, they they're what they call member owners of uh, a GPO, which is the uh, premier uh, the the public GPO. So they 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 own stock in the GPO. The the hospitals uh, do. Which
0: now, I now patients wouldn't care because they get a hospital bill and they're not independently paying for a particular product per se in the hospital let's say you're hospitalized and you know there's a there's a hospital bill uh, but it matters if you're an outpatient you go in the ER there's line item charges for everything and it certainly matters in a clinic but how does the besides a shortage? Uh, well, how, yeah. How does a, How does a patient get influenced on the price aspect of things? Well, think about this, one,
1: and and I, I can tell you that I, I have not. I'll never forget this one. As a pacemaker rep, we would do follow up clinics at the cardiologist's office, where we would in with the cardiologist. Um, Check the patients' pacemakers um, and give the reports to them. And I I, I can still remember the, this little old lady came uh, while I was checking her pacemaker, and she she said to me, Michael, why did you charge me ninety thousand dollars for this pacemaker? Oh, and um, and I looked at her and I said, you know what? I, I first of all, I'm sorry, and and I we didn't i did, I did not charge you ninety thousand dollars for the for the the pacemaker and what we do is you know we would back then you know the pacemaker would be five to seven thousand dollars but the hospital takes that five thousand dollars and marks it up they have they have a markup it's an arbitrary number i I don't understand where they get their markup two or three three times they take that. pacemaker and mark it up to $15,000 and then add in all the other stuff that was utilized in the surgery and bill it off.
0: Well, I know know one general axiom is what's called screen fees. So in general, the current standard is screen fees used to be 3 or 4x, like you said. Screen fees right now are about 10x, meaning let's take a CAT scan. Uh, a hospital will charge uh, $4,000 for a CAT scan. That's 10 times what they expect to get paid. So the hospitals really expect to get paid 400 bucks, but they charge 4,000. And this is in the United States for our United States listeners. This will be, you know, won't sound right at all. If you're in Canada, Australia, I know so many of you listen to me all over the world, but um, this in the United States they will charge 4,000, they expect to get 400, why? because all the different insurance companies pay a different rate for that CAT scan. Some will pay 1,200, some will pay 800, some will pay 1,800, and there'll be one outlier who pays 3,200 for a CAT scan. And so they wanna put it high enough that they catch all, they maximize the reimbursement. So the reason why this is so frustrating is that like your patient you mentioned, they'll look at the bill and they'll see $90,000 and then they'll think, geez, they charged $90,000. Well, $90,000 is the highest number they're going to put out there. And then the hospitals engage in this iterative negotiation, submission, and then denial, and then resubmission, until ultimately it settles out to some final payment level. So everybody should listening to this should understand that hospital bills and what's called EOB, or explanation of benefits, they show an artificially massively inflated number on these bills and hospitals get and clinics get paid considerably less um, and you can never feel as a patient that you're on the hook for that screen fee which is an artificially inflated number in fact some hospitals the biggest health system around me when they actually send out a bill let's say somebody doesn't have insurance and they'll send out a bill the screen fees they'll say for a 40 percent discount Call us right away. Because they know that they're putting out the screen fees and they don't really expect to be making all that money.
1: Correct. uh, And they'll actually take less if you give them cash.
0: Yeah, it's true. And so it has to be negotiated. Uh, And of course, there is a growing cash-based system in the United States. Michael, we're coming towards the end of the interview. Can you just say a few words you mentioned about corruption, conflict of interest? You know, doctors are held to a high standard, but these administrators are not. Is there any hope for uh, anti-kickback or um, or you know antitrust, some other forms of uh, legal or legislative action that's going to bring, uh, bring this part of healthcare back into some type of reasonable norm? Is there any hope in the future? Well, it,
1: Doctor, it seems like there's been a lot of um, uh, traction lately in, here in Ohio. Um, uh, the PBMs, which are what I call the big, uh, the little brother of the GPOs, because the PBMs also have safe harbor given to them by Congress. Theirs now, what, was in, what does that stand for? uh pharmacy benefit manager okay and just explain what a, what a pbm does
0: and and the
1: pbm ba- is the uh basically um makes the formulary that if you're a um an employee that this is the the drug that you you can get and in, in the in the cost of the of the drug um uh Basically, they they negotiate that, but it's it's a such a very opaque system. The uh, the state of Ohio and the, the attorney general here has actually um, had some very good success with trying to uh, uh, clear up that opaque system. They call it clawbacks, they call it um, rebates, um, but how how the um, the actual end user, the the patient um, sometimes we'll get um, pay uh, significantly more for um, for a drug uh, than if they were to buy it with uh, via cash. If they use their insurance, it costs sometimes less. That's why the, the, the good RX uh, is, has has grown um, across the country. Um, but it's it's such an opaque system. But I think you know it, it's starting to the the uh, the general population is starting to learn that um, you know sometimes these middlemen um, are not doing the, what's in the best interests of, of patients and in, in in the country in the states um, and I think uh, more and more um, people are learning about it and in fact. Uh, um, uh, 60 Minutes aired a, uh, back in a year ago, j- exactly about a year ago, they aired a, a 13-minute segment about drug shortages and, and talked about the GPOs and the um, um, and what caused the, the, the drug shortages. So more and more of that is uh, coming out. Some grassroots uh, is going on, and I'm uh, out there uh, waving the flag and um willing to talk and and educate and um it we could save a heck of a lot of money for our country and 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 also have better care um if 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 we change the way the market it should be a free market just like you can go buy a car whatever car if you like a chevy or a lexus um you know what the price is going to be it's not in in the group purchasing organization in the pharmacy benefit world it's all over the board it could be a, the different price in arkansas versus uh, ohio and that's not free market
0: well listen we're going to have to leave it there michael this has been a fascinating conversation thanks so much for yeah. spending time on the McCullough report i think you've helped our listeners, particularly American listeners, start to understand this really complex healthcare system we have and all the different players involved. It it seems like there's so many opportunities, not only for cost savings, but improvement in quality and choice. And you're on the vanguard of that. Thank you so much for joining us on The McCullough Report. Thank you, Dr. McCullough. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Loud Talk Radio. This is The McCullough Report.